The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name's Tyson Stockton with previsible.io. And in today's episode of the Voice of Search podcast, we're going to be diving into GA4. Joining me today is Kathy Alice Brown. Kathy is the owner and SEO consultant at WebEnso Digital. WebEnso Digital is designed to help business owners uncover SEO opportunities. Her deep expertise in enterprise technical SEO. She's done numerous audits on large sites, worked with both marketing and engineering teams on the implementation of her recommendations. She also specializes in sites that are transition, whether that's replatforming, website redesign, or migration to a new domain. Kathy Alice is also one of our experts in residence at previsible.io. I've had the pleasure of working with Kathy for numerous years now in a couple different organizations. So it's always a pleasure to have her back on the podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be going over the SEO's survival guide to GA4. And this podcast is also sponsored by Hrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash AWT. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Kathy. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Pleased to be here. I'm glad we're touching on this because I feel like so much of this podcast has just been totally dominated by 
I mean, over the last 12 months, at least with ChatGPT, LLMs, Google SGE. And I feel like even though there's been a fair amount of attention or discussion around it, it almost feels like it's kind of went under the radar a little bit with GA4 rollout and just the adjustment that SEO has been going through with this. So maybe to start us off, can you give us kind of the timeline of the rollout here to GA4? Yeah, well, and to be perfectly fair, <laughs> you know, we could even mention that, you know, AI can help you with, the, you know, your GA4 data. <laughs> but let's put that aside for the moment. So GA4 has been around for a while and it used to have a different name. So it's been coming for a while, and most of us pretty much ignored it until we couldn't anymore. And that pretty much happened when Google announced that UA, Universal Analytics, which sometimes people call GA3, was going away and would stop collecting data. And that happened in the summer of 2023. I believe the date was actually July 1st. But what really happened is that over July and even August, you know, sites one by one stopped collecting UA data. So that's when everybody had to switch over. Now, there is an exception to that is that if you had 360, that is still working. But 360 is scheduled to stop collecting data in the summer of 2024. So, and yes, there is a 360 product in GA4. So yeah, some of the larger enterprises that I work with, they're still using UA, but a lot of the people who didn't pay for 360, they have had to move to over to GA4. And, you know, it's been a learning curve. What can I say? With this transition, what are some of like the big notable differences? Like, is this simply, you know, a facelift, a new look to the same to the same data or are we talking about like a new modeling system like what are the nuts and bolts of the differences between universal or ga3 and ga4 yeah it's a big difference and it's not only like the ui is completely different which I think the first time I went into it, it's like, I don't know what to do with this. I know that's been a lot of people's reactions to it. And it's also a different modeling system. So universal analytics was, shall we say, more session-based. Things kind of centered around a session where in GA4, everything is an event. Like session start is an event. So it is a different model, and one of the transitions that I've seen people go through is that if you're using the data layer, like you've got actual custom code that you know manipulates the data layer, is that you've had to update that code for GA4 because it's just different. The model is different, the name, the, sometimes the names are different. So it's almost like we've all had to learn a new system from scratch. And I think that's a pretty accurate, like, sure, you know, there's some commonalities like, yes, we still have organic and paid, you know, we still have the channels, but how that's collected and how that's presented is quite different in GA4. And can you go in a little bit more for maybe the people that either haven't fully 
you know, dug into the new system, or maybe it's the people in the large enterprises that actually haven't migrated over. Like, can you elaborate a little bit on that change of everything being more event-based versus kind of like sessions as the underlining driver? Yeah, everything is an event where before... I don't know, things in UA, you know, you had conversions, you had sessions, but in GA4, the underlying model is an event. Like, for example, in GA4, if you want conversions, what you do is you go in and you select the events that you want to tag as a conversion. So it always starts with event. I think the other thing I want to just throw out there is there's different scopes that you have to worry about a little bit with GA4. So one thing that probably SEOs will notice is it used to be that when we went into UA, we would want to go, okay, how many sessions did organic get? And me, like a lot of people, that was like primarily what I went into analytics to go because we're SEOs, right? We're not necessarily analytics people. And so I think I'm speaking for a lot of people, like in UA, I had the certain reports I would look at and I knew what clicks to do. And, you know, when you come to GA4, it's like, well, those reports, you have to often create them or you have to filter for them. And one thing that's a little bit different in GAFAR is we now have, when it comes to sessions, we now have like two distinctions. You could look at sort of the sessions by user, like, and this is the kind of equivalent to new users in Universal Analytics, only it's called like a user scope. And then there's like the session scope. So one thing, the first thing you go is you go into the acquisition menu in GA4 and you'll have that choice. And it's really important to understand that distinction that one is really just showing you new users and the other one is showing you new users and returning users because as you work more and more with G4, you're going to find you're going to have to make that distinction over and over again. Just going back to the kind of event thing, in UA, we had page views. Well, that's also an event in, in GA4. And so it's a little bit of... Everything's an event, and I know that's simple to say, but when you go in and you start playing around with it, you realize that that's, it is definitely a paradigm shift, and you just have to think about what events I'm interested in and how can I get my reporting to show me those events. And have you, in your experience working with clients on this, have you found it difficult with this kind of like paradigm shift of the platform to present the same data? So you mentioned that last example, the need to make sure you're looking at new plus returning to look at overall, you know, traffic going to or from whatever channel. Have you ran into like challenges in creating kind of parity between legacy reports and new reports coming from GA4? Yes, definitely. So many organizations didn't switch over to GA4. They didn't get their GA4 run. And you can run them in parallel, but they didn't set it up and get it running so that you could really do year of a year. So for example, you know, they might have gotten it set up like, you know, early 
in the year in 2023, but you know, when we UA stopped collecting data and you wanted year over year data, like in August, you know, GA4 wouldn't have it. So, I mean, there's things you can do with Looker Studio, you know, to kind of put both in and try to do a year over year. But to be honest, I have found that not very satisfactory. And here's the reason why is the way that sessions are counted or are tracked is different in GA4. So I've done this for a couple of clients. I've just gone in and just looked at, you know, organic sessions in UA versus GA4. And in one case, there was like 100,000 difference. And I mean, admittedly, yes, this is a site that gets millions and millions of views, but it was like, I came to the conclusion, like, this is not useful this year over year. And the thing to know about sessions in GA4 is like in UA, a session would break between and restart on at midnight. That's no longer true. In GA4, if someone like a particular user, if they kind of come back from a different channel or, you know, using a different channel or they're kind of across devices, the session doesn't break. So in UA, you know, the session would end at, at midnight. It would break and start a new session if you came back from a different traffic source. That's not true with GA4. And so generally what I have found is that, you know, there's less sessions counted because they're longer living in GA4. And so you're not doing an apples to apples comparison when you're trying to do year over year, which is a lot of times that's what SEOs like to do, because that way you rule out seasonality. You can kind of see where this, you know, what's going on with the site. Has it, you know, improved year over year or has it gone down? It's been really challenging to do something like that when you marry the two data sets, unfortunately. And to be honest, I've been kind of going into Google Search Console more and doing year over year there, because at least we have 16 months of data there to really get a sense of year over year, because it, it's just... I haven't been able to get it work. Now, there might be people out there that have been able to get it to work, but the couple of times I've tried, the session counts were just too different. Really critical, I think, information for a lot of people out there knowing that, hey, this is not just a UX change, like there is a UX change element to it, but with some inherent differences in the modeling, how things are captured, creating that parity sounds like there's always going to be some barriers and some challenges to it, which I think a lot of SEOs listening to this, probably heart rates rising a little bit, a little bit of panic of having how do we manage these stakeholders understandings that maybe aren't as close to knowing the differences in this. So I feel like maybe alarm bells are starting to ring for the audience a little bit. What can you share of like notable changes that are more of like the positive like it's we're, we're recording this on friday going into the weekend what kind of good news or kind of positives can we think of from this change yeah well i mean like everybody when i first kind of encountered it i hated it over time i've gotten to like it a bit more there are a couple positives and the one thing that I would share is a definite positive is I do like the ability to create custom reports out of the standard reports. 
So it's kind of both a little bit of a negative and a positive. In Universal Analytics, it was kind of really easy to go in there and find the report you were interested in. With GA4, it's really almost like you have some standard reports and you should start thinking about how to customize those reports for your needs. And the good news is that it's a lot easier to create custom reports in GA4 than it was in Universal Analytics and share them. Like in Universal Analytics, if you ever did a custom report, I almost avoided them because the sharing of them was like pretty obnoxious. You know, you had to kind of go in there, create the custom report, and then share the string, and it, it, it never worked very well. But in GA4, it's almost like you have a much more of a canvas, and you can just go in there and create reports to your heart's content, and then you can actually modify the navigation to include your custom reports. The one thing I will mention is that you need to make sure you have at least analyst privileges. Otherwise, you won't be able to. So that's one thing I would just say to some of the SEOs out there that if you haven't done the transition yet is make sure you get at least analyst privileges and don't be afraid to go in and just create custom reports. You don't have to put them on the nav. They can just sort of sit in the library. You don't like your efforts. But like one of the first things I usually go in there is I'll go and take one of the acquisition reports and create an SEO landing page report out of it and create that as a custom report and then go add it, you know, find it in the library and then edit the navigation to add it. And presto, I now have an, you know, SEO landing page report. And this is for my clients that's already there that we can then go in and take a look at and not have to each time go and filter stuff. So I would say that's one of the positives. The transition to the event model is a little jarring, but over time I've kind of come to grips with it and I sort of feel like it's a little cleaner, if that makes sense, than UA. I mean, this is the other thing I would just say is... GA4 and having to come to grips with it has made me kind of a better SEO and that I feel like I've had to dig in to understand it. And so now I feel like I kind of, my analytics skill set and understanding is better just because I was forced to learn it. So I know that's kind of a a weird positive, but (laughs) that's also a bit of a positive is by having to do the learning, I feel like. I understand analytics a bit better and and it's not necessarily a bad thing that it's an event model that now I've kind of come to grips with. So I would say that's one positive. Explorations is kind of an interesting, they're still a little tender and by, by that I mean it's kind of easy to break them. And this is kind of in general true with GA4 is it feels like it's still a work in progress. You know, things are getting better with it. But there, you know, you'll still get these weird things that happen. It's, and so I think the UI has a little bit way to go. But explorations are kind of a nice feature because you're, it's kind of your choose your own adventure in reporting. And if you don't see a standard report or if you have a question, you can go on explorations and try to just, you know, build a freeform report that gives you the data that you're looking for. So... I think that's also a positive, although, you know, initially there's a learning curve and it takes a little while to come to grips with it. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. 
So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Excellent. And I understand too, like, you know, a lot of times we're using analytics straight in the UX. I feel like it's been coming more and more common to be, you know, visualizing and analyzing the data within Looker. How's kind of the relationship with GA4 to Looker? And what have you seen kind of with clients as far as how they're using the UX versus, you know, Looker? Yeah, so I think there's going to be some organizations that you're just not going to use the GA4 UI because either you have a bunch of Looker Studio set up and it's just as easy to use Looker Studio with GA4 as it is with UA. They work pretty similarly. And in fact, it's not been that big of a deal for me to transition some Looker Studios from using UA data to GA4 data. Yeah, some of the names are changing. And of course, you need to ask your question whether, you know, if the data you're looking at still makes sense. But yeah, I mean, that might be something to strive for is if you already have a nice set of Looker Studio reports, just get those converted over. And it shouldn't be that bad. The other thing that we should mention is if you're a fairly large organization is maybe consider using BigQuery. So in Universal Analytics to sort of connect Universal Analytics and BigQuery, I think it costs quite a bit of money. And in GA4, it's free. You can set up that connection and then you're just paying for the cost of BigQuery itself. And there's at least one or several organizations I've talked to that they're just not even using the GA4 UI. They're just going to build all the reporting using BigQuery. And there are cases when you can get even more data out of BigQuery than you can out of the UI. I can give an example of like one of those things. You know, if you're still using 360, you know, maybe understanding what plans your organization has, like, are we going to use BigQuery? 
you know, are we just going to convert over our Looker studios or are we going to, you know, use custom reports and explorations? You know, maybe thinking about what the approach is for your particular organization is probably good. And the example I want to give, because it's kind of a good one to know about, is I mentioned that a session can kind of span traffic sources in GA4. But the problem with the current UI is that it only will show you the first one. There's no way to know that, oh, perhaps someone came in on, I don't know, like an email click, you know, a click from an email blast. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, they did a search or something in Google. The fact that they did that, that you just won't see that in the GA4 UI, but in BigQuery, it would be possible to see all the different traffic sources associated with the session. So in that case, the data is more granular. And if that's important, then that's a reason maybe to check into BigQuery. That's one of the examples I want to get because that's, that's one of the current limitations with the GA4 UIs in that particular case. I'll mention another one because this is something I stumbled on, is you might see a message about thresholding in GA4, and this is in the UI. Those of you who like had fairly big sites but didn't use 360 might have run into sampling, where it would just sample the data and not necessarily show you all the data. Thresholding is kind of like sampling, although it's like, in that it limits data, but it's for a completely different reason. And the reason is that it's an attempt to kind of make sure that you can't figure out, it's a privacy protection thing. So for users that are logged in and have turned on personalization, thresholding kind of tries to protect their privacy. And the one good thing about of talking about GA4 evolving is thresholding is kind of a pain in the butt. And, you know, there was a way to turn it off. And it looks like in February, GA4 is going to be by default not having thresholding. But the reason I bring that up is this wasn't a problem in BigQuery because it didn't use Google Signals, which, you know, has to do with, you know, people who've logged in and have said oh, personalization is okay. The BigQuery data didn't have any of that. So you didn't have to worry about thresholding in BigQuery. I mean, as of February, you don't have to worry about it so much in the UI, but that's, that's just another example of the differences between BigQuery and GA4 in that, you know, BigQuery was a better solution in that particular case. I feel like kind of going back or like recapping a little on the conversation, like you've hit on a lot of really key recommendations for the SEOs out there. Like we've covered that, hey, this transition is not just UX, there's a modeling change to it. So having that true apples to apples comparison is worth noting. I mean, hopefully at this stage, everyone's been at least running and collecting the data for GA4. Maybe there's a few stragglers out there. So knowing when they've turned it on, looking at year-over-year comparisons, and to 
the recommendation that you gave to spend that extra amount of time in gaining that familiarity and understanding kind of these nuances, I feel like also the little kind of snippet of making sure they have the right permissions for the at least the analyst role and then being able to save those configurations of reports is also a huge win. And then noting that, you know, some of these differences between the modeling, also what you're able to get through from like the big query. With all this, any kind of final or lasting recommendations you have for the SEOs that either are a little late to the game and just kind of going through the transition now, or people that have been, they went through the transition, but they're kind of holding off on digging into, like what other recommendations could you have for the SEOs out there? I think, you know, we often talk about how important it is for SEOs to understand the business goals and you kind of align their SEO efforts with kind of revenue goals and bottom line metrics like that. So I think you should have that perspective and lens when it comes to GA4, because hopefully what your organization has done is they've gone through an exercise to define which events are kind of interesting. And in GA4, you have kind of the built-in events, there's a enhanced measurement, so you can turn on, if you turn that on, it has events, and then you have custom events. And I think, you know, it's hopefully at some point, because turning on GA4 is pretty easy, but kind of defining which events are important to your organization is just an exercise that everybody should go through. And I think, it would be good to for the SEOs in the organization just to have at least a seat at the table and at least understand why, you know, certain events have been tagged as conversions, uh, why we've set up certain custom events. I think that perspective and lens, even though it might not immediately be tactically useful to your work, I think still having that perspective will help you just be an overall SEO that has the focus on what your business is trying to achieve. So that would be, you know, take this as an opportunity. It's like a little bit of a fresh start. So make sure you're at least evolved to the point where you understand, you know, what is important to the business and how that reflects in how GA4 is set up. And, it will just make you a better SEO and more aligned with your business. And as we know, if you can tie kind of your SEO work to the overall business goals, you just tend to have a better time of getting funding, getting resources and all of that. That's such a good recommendation and also just reminder, because I think we're all trying to make that impact to the business, obviously aligns into resourcing, funding, but ultimately it's like that's the bottom line goal and what we're trying to achieve. So I think that's really great advice to remind the SEOs out there, hey, view this as an opportunity. Yes, there's going to be some challenges that come with it. But ultimately, maybe it does give that reason, that justification, that opportunity to dig in a little bit deeper and ensure that kind of you have that alignment. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. 
Kathy, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being the guest on uh, The Voice of Search again. And once again, you can find more information about Kathy in the show notes. Again, Kathy is owner and freelance SEO consultant at WebEnso Digital, as well as one of our very own experts in residence at previsible.io. If you can't wait until the next episode and you'd like to learn more about Kathy, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in the show notes. You can also visit one of our websites from whensodigital.com or kathyallisbrown.com or even previsible.io. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to thevoiceofsearch.com where you can find summaries of all of our episodes with contact information on our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions on SEO or even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voice of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out to us on social media where our show handle is at Voices of Search, or you can contact me at Tyson Stockton, or better yet, go to LinkedIn. We're a little more active. If you haven't described yet and want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your product feed, we're going to publish a new episode every workday. So just hit subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the following business day. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Mm-hmm.